We've got a bit of a different format for you guys this week. Uh, first off, hello. My name's James. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Nice to meet you, Blank. I'm James. This is the Weekend Sports Wrap. Got a little bit of a different format for you guys today. Uh, we're going to skip the local stuff. Or we're just going to get straight into the national stuff. Let me know how you guys feel about this format. If you guys want me to just start doing um, national stuff, national news, talk about football, the Cowboys, all that sort of thing. Or if you want me to bring back the uh, the, the Bronx stuff and all that stuff. The, the thinking that goes into this. I've got a couple... I got a couple, um, uh, a piece, uh, some advice from other people around the office, and they said, "Hey, you know what? Why don't you just try skipping the Bronx stuff for a week and see what happens?" And you know what? That's what I'm doing. Uh, we got lots of Bronx coverage, just about every sport that they do, as well as Tongue River and Bighorn, all on sharedmedia.com. Thanks to Trevin or Trevin Trevor Jackson and Kevin Coyle. Um, that's all on sharedmedia.com. You can see that throughout the week, and I'll keep that uh, with the the uh, Saturday sports wrap that I do on the radio every single Saturday, and I'll keep all the Bronx stuff on that as well. Um, but as for the podcast, for now, we're just going to skip straight into the um, into the national scene as well as the Cowboys and that sort of thing, and just let me know what you guys think. Leave in the comments on sharedmedia.com where you're listening to this right now. There's a comment section down there. Let me know what you think. If you want me to bring it back, we'll bring it back. If not, we'll skip straight to the national stuff, and we'll keep it this way. So let me know. Hello, James Timberlake, Weekend Sports Wrap. Let's get it going. All right, the Wyoming Cowboys, their football team is just one a week, one week away from uh, their famous Idaho Potato Bowl matchup with the Kent State Golden Flashes. Last week, we went through Kent's, uh, Kent State's schedule, highlighting their wins and losses. This week, we will talk about some of their individual standouts on their team that Poke fans should keep an eye on during the game. Uh, the Golden Flashes' seven and six record may be a little deceiving for Poke fans because uh, this offense has a bunch of weapons. They sport a 1,000-yard rusher and a 1,000-yard receiver, as well as a top 30 pa- uh, quarterback in yards passed this season. Marquez uh, Marquez Cooper, their 1,000-yard rusher, had an outstanding season, rushing for 1,080 yards to be exact, the 31st most in the country, while averaging five yards per carry and pitched in 11 touchdowns as well. He also had six games this season. Where he rushed for 100 plus yards. Uh, the sophomore comes in at a tiny five foot seven, 184 pounds, making him difficult to get a hold of. But when he is taken down, uh, he's fantastic at securing the football as well, fumbling only one time in his 17 career games at Kent State. Um, Kent State's 1,000 yard receiver is also a sophomore. His name is Dante Cephas uh, from Pittsburgh. Cephas comes into this matchup with 1,124 yards on the season, the 21st most in the country. He did that while catching 78 passes, 23rd in the country, which comes in at an average reception of 14.4 yards, which is not a lot. That's not a high average. Usually um, high average yards per catch usually either means they're throwing the ball deep to this receiver a lot or he gets a, a lot of yards after the catch. And uh, this one seems like he just gets a lot of uh, short uh, intermediate passes, but 1,124 1, yards off those passes on an average is um, is pretty good for the season. So uh, Cephas also caught eight touchdown passes this season, including three in one game against Buffalo back in October. Cephas also had 186 yards in that Buffalo game as well, one of his six games with 100-plus receiving yards this season. That brings us to Kent State's quarterback, Dustin Crum. He's probably had the least outstanding out of the uh, out of those uh, big three players, but uh, he still had a great year. He's a true dual-threat quarterback, throwing for 2,922 yards and 16 touchdowns while running for 633 yards and 11 touchdowns. His total of 3,574 yards is the 16th most in the country at the quarterback position. Uh, Crum also sports a top 40 completion percentage 
at 64% on the season. However, the turnover bug has bitten him a little bit this season, throwing six interceptions and fumbling twice, with four of those interceptions coming in the last two games alone. He's also been sacked a ton this year, 33 times to be exact, one of the highest marks in the country. Not entirely his fault, but that should be something the the Pokes can uh, capitalize on in this game. Uh, Kent State's offense has been the strong point of their season. Their defense has a couple of solid players, though. Their leading tackler for the season has been their junior safety, Dean Clark, who has 103 total tackles and a 10th best in the country, 70 solo tackles. Um, He hasn't forced any fumbles or interceptions on the season, though, Um, but the Golden Flashes do sport a couple of ball hawks in the secondary. Uh, Cornerback Montre Miller leads the team in interceptions with four, one of the highest marks in the country. Their two other cornerbacks, Elvis Hines and Keith uh, Sherald Jr., both have three apiece as well. Their defensive line does not get a lot of uh, penetration, though, forcing just 20 sacks total on the season, with C.J. West leading the team with just five total. Those are your your names, Poke fans, to keep an eye on. Running back Marquez Cooper, wide receiver Dante Cephas, quarterback Dustin Crum, safety Dean Clark, cornerbacks Montre Miller, Elvis Hines, and Keith Sherald Jr., and as well as defensive lineman C.J. West. Those are your names to be looking out for during the game. And uh, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl is Tuesday, December 21st, and we will have all the action live for you in that game on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWYO with pregame scheduled for noon and kickoff scheduled for 1.30. And then uh, next week, the Monday before kickoff, the Monday before the game, we're going to go through and look at uh, the team stats for Kent State throughout the season and see where they rank in according uh, according to total offense, touchdowns, all that jazz, defensive stats as a team, all that stuff, and we'll get a better uh, idea of who Kent State, the Kent State Golden Flashes are as a team on the football field. Uh, the Wyoming Cowboy basketball team fell for the first time this past week, falling to the 11th-ranked Arizona Wildcats, 94-65 this past Wednesday. The Bokes will use this game to uh, kind of sneak under the radar, at least for now. It was an incredibly unlucky match for the Cowboys. Arizona smothered the Pokes in the first half and shot red hot from the field, outscoring the Pokes 53-22 in the first half. Not to take anything away from the Wildcats. They are a buzzsaw. They're one of the best teams in the country by far. Um, but it was unlucky. They did shoot lights out. It was hard to really it's hard to really gauge a game like that where one team shoots lights out while the other um, really can't get anything to fall, even though the Wildcats were playing good defense. So, you know, take it for what you will. Um, the Wildcats finished the game with a 52% field goal percentage from the floor. While shooting nearly 40% from three, uh, the Pokes shot 39% from the floor and 32% from three, which is obviously a recipe for disaster for the Cowboys. Guard Xavier Ducell led the Pokes in uh, in scoring with 22 points, while Graham Ike also pitched in 17 points as well. The bench was a big cold spot for the Pokes in this one as well, scoring only two points all game. Um, it was a tough loss for the Cowboys, but they had a bounce-back opportunity when they took on Utah Valley on Saturday. Utah Valley was no slouch, but it was a game the Pokes should have won and they did, beating the Wolverines 74-62. The Bokes had four starters in double digits in that game, with Xavier Ducell leading the way for the second straight game with 16 points. Drake Jeffries pitched in 15 points. Graham Ike had 13 points and was one rebound away from another double-double. And Hunter Maldonado dropped 10 points and had eight rebounds and four steals on defense. Brendan Wenzel was also a big boost off the bench in this one. He led with 12 points off the bench. The now 9-1 Pokes have two games this week with their first matchup coming on Wednesday when they take on Stanford at home with tips scheduled for 3.30. And then they will begin conference play with their first matchup coming at home against Boise State on Saturday with tips scheduled for 2 p.m. in that one. And you can listen to those games and every Cowboy basketball game on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWYO all season long. 
The Wyoming Cowgirls basketball team only had one game this past week, taking on North Dakota State on Sunday at home. The Cowgirls rolled in that one, winning 71-45. Quinn Weideman led the uh, Cowgirls in scoring with 14 points, while Allison Fertig pitched in 12 points, and McKinley Bradshaw added another 10. Uh, Ola Ustuska added 10 off the bench for the Pokes as well. The Cowgirls don't have any games this week and get a big break before hitting the road and taking on Nebraska next Wednesday, and Nebraska is undefeated as of uh, Monday afternoon. We'll see if that changes throughout the week, but as of right now, as of Monday, they are undefeated. Uh, Delicious McDonald's deals are now more fun, more accessible, and better than ever through the McDonald's mobile app. Get free large fries when you download the app and join my McDonald's rewards. Get your choice of hash browns, vanilla cone, McChicken, or cheeseburger free after your first purchase. The new mobile ordering feature lets you use your smartphone to place your order, pay for it, pick it up. Go to Google Play or Apple App Store and download the new McDonald's mobile app and start saving today. McDonald's, there's an app for that. The Denver Broncos moving on to the NFL. The Denver Broncos got a dominant victory over the Detroit Lions on Sunday. The game was close for the first half, but the Broncos were able to capitalize on some line mistakes in the second half, which led the Broncos uh, let the Broncos pull away. And in the end, the gap was 28 points, with Denver notching, notching a comfortable 38 to 10 win. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater had a decent performance, doing his best not to derail a, uh, a solid team performance. He only dropped back 26 times, completing 18 of 25 attempts, with a sack being the other dropback. Uh, those passes amounted to 7.2 yards per attempt and a 118.6 passer rating. And the Bronco pass game averaged a solid 0.431 expected points added as well. Uh, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon were back splitting the workload in Denver in the Denver backfield on Sunday, and it worked well as it has all season long. Uh, the two combined for 184 yards at 4.7 yards per attempt with 126 of those yards coming after contact. Uh, each broke five tackles as well, but Gordon had the heavier workload throughout the day, getting the ball nine more times than Javante Williams, and my uh, my fantasy team is hurting because of it, even though he had a good game. He had a, he had a very solid game. Um, I wish they would run Javante Williams more, though. I mean, Melvin Gordon, you kind of know what you're going to get. Javante Williams, he's a Pandora's box. I mean, that's kind of not the right analogy you want to use, but Pandora's box in a good way. What's the opposite of a Pandora's box? It's whatever the opposite of that is, that's what Javante Williams is. He's a stud. They should he should get more attempts than he is, but you know it's I mean it's working. I don't know. There's not a lot to complain about. If it's not broken, don't fix it. So you know, whatever. Uh, Jerry Judy was once again the team leader in targets for the receivers with six passes thrown his way. He caught five of those for 47 yards with three first downs. Uh, Tim Patrick was the second most targeted receiver with five targets, but he only come came up with uh, two of them, including one drop. Arguably the most impressive unit for the Broncos on the day was the Denver offensive line. They were dominant on the ground all game and had an easy time in pass protection uh, Pass protection in these small occasions that the team did pass. As a unit, they surrendered just two total pressures throughout the game. On the defensive side of the ball, Bradley Chubb is still working back to game ready after his injury, but he still has yet to make the kind of impact that the team has been looking for. Uh, Chubb rushed the passer 24 times on Sunday, but only had one pressure, a pass rush win rate of 8.3%. Um, not exactly great, especially for a guy. I mean, you, you kind of traded Von Miller because you expect this guy to kind of be the next Von Miller, if that makes sense. Um, and he is working his way back from injury, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But he just hasn't been that guy yet. Hopefully he comes back and he um, fully fully rested and fully healthy and he starts, be- he starts to become the guy that the Broncos expect him to be. Uh, Draymond Jones on the line had two sacks, though, on two pressures, while Deshaun Williams had four total pressures with one quarterback hit and three hurried hurries. So the defensive line for the Broncos was getting it done um, without Bradley Chubb as well. So 
a bright uh, a bright future ahead of the defensive uh, the the Denver offense or excuse me defensive line I believe. Uh, Baron Browning and Kenny Young accounted for almost all of the linebacker snaps in the Denver linebacking core. Browning gave up two catches for 16 yards and a touchdown, but neither backer was very busy overall throughout the day. Um, in the secondary, Ronald Darby, Ronald Darby, my lord, that voice crack, put a well, man, give me a. I should be back in middle school. Uh, Ronald Darby was the most targeted player on the Denver defense in the secondary, seeing seven passes thrown his way in coverage. He allowed four catches for 55 yards, but only two of them went for first downs. Justin Simmons had another outstanding day at the safety spot, getting targeted four times while allowing two receptions for just 14 yards, and he also picked off Jared Goff once as well. Next up for the Broncos, they will be at home taking on the Cincinnati Bengals next Sunday. The Bengals have had a very up-and-down season so far. They've blown out some solid teams like the Ravens and Steelers. Steelers maybe not so solid, but the Ravens, they did blow out the Ravens. Uh, but they also lost to some bad teams like the Jets and the Bears. Uh, they are a team but uh, built similarly to the uh, to the Chargers. They also operate like the Chargers on offense. They don't pass the ball as much as they as much as the Chargers do, but when they do, they, uh, they sling it all over the field, sporting a top-five ranking in yards per pass this season and are top-10 in passing yards per game. Their offense also comes in with top 10 rankings in points per game, points per play, touchdowns per game, and completion percentage. They're also a very disciplined team, averaging just four penalties per game and a 30 and 34 penalty yards uh, per game, both the top ranks in the NFL. The kryptonite for the Bengals all season long has been their offensive line play and turnovers. They're allowing the third worst sack percentage this season, and they give the ball away about 1.6 uh, times per game which is 25th in the NFL, both things the Broncos could capitalize on with one of the best defenses in the league. This is a massive game for the Broncos in terms of uh, in terms of a playoff spot. They are tied with the Colts, Bills, Browns, and Bengals with the seven and six records in the AFC with three realistic wildcard uh, spots up for grab for the Broncos. If the Broncos win against the Bengals, they can move all the way up to the sixth seed on the bracket but can fall to the seventh seed if just one of those other uh, four teams wins, or I guess three teams wins. Um, if more than one of those teams wins, even with a Broncos win, Denver would still be on the outside looking in. They'd be on the in-the-hunt graphic. And uh, with a Broncos loss, they would need a lot of help around the league in order to sneak in. Um, it will be a must-win game for the Broncos. They want to secure a wild-card spot for the playoffs. You'll be able to—it's a must-win game. You hear that? It's a must-win game. This is a must-win. You all know what that means. It's a must-win. Uh, you'll be able to listen to all the action between Bengals-Broncos on Sunday on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWYO with pregame scheduled for noon and kickoff scheduled for 2.05. I'm breaking out the must-wins at Week 14 of the season. Um, as for the rest of the NFL in Week 14, uh, it started on Thursday when the Vikings held on for dear life, escaping with a 36-28 victory at home over the Steelers. The Vikings were up 29 to nothing at halftime of this one, and we're, all one, we're basically one pass away from blowing the biggest halftime lead in NFL history. Meanwhile, the Steelers could be staring down their first and last place finish in the AFC North since 1988. Uh, moving to Sunday, the Tennessee Titans were at home and shut out the Jacksonville Jaguars 20 to nothing. This is uh, surprisingly, this is one of the weirder stats I read today. This is surprisingly Jacksonville's first shutout, first shutout loss since 2009, which is surprising. They were bad. They've been bad for like three years. I'm surprised they haven't been shut out since. 2009, which is mind-blowing. Um, I mean, also, that's not what everyone is talking about in Jacksonville right now, with Urban Meyer reportedly getting into heated arguments with players and calling his assistant coaches losers. Um, sounds like Meyer is creating a fantastic winning culture down in Jacksonville, like he's known for 
all of Florida. But if anything, this is uh, this has helped dull the noise around Trevor Lawrence. He has been awful, awful in his rookie season. He threw four picks in this game alone against the Titans, making it 14 on the season versus nine touchdowns uh, as the number one overall pick. That is not something you want to see from uh, from your quarterback. Um, the Titans were favored by nine, nine points at closing of the betting lines on Sunday. And with all the news that came out this week about Urban, that should have probably been the uh, the lock of the week as far as uh, betting the spread goes. Uh, next up, the Seattle Seahawks were on the road and dominated the Houston Texans 33-13. to It was a steamroll for Seattle. They had 453 yards of offense with Rashad Penny getting a, uh, rushing for a career-high 137 yards, and Tyler Lockett had 142 yards receiving. But surprisingly enough, it was Davis Mills, the Texans quarterback, who led the game in passing yardage with 331 yards and a touchdown. A little skewed, though. He also threw the ball 50 times. Um, Russell Wilson had the better game, I would say, uh, throwing for 260 yards and two touchdowns in just, like, in just uh, 28 attempts, half as many as Mills through. Uh, the Falcons went on the road and beat the Carolina Panthers 29-21. to The Falcons are winless at home this season, but are 5-2 and on the road. Chalk that up for uh, the stat of the day. Winless, winless at home, but are 5-2 and on the road. Uh, and I think they won in London earlier this year as well, so a neutral site game. Uh, Cordell Patterson continues to be the wheels to the Falcons' bus, rushing for 58 yards and a touchdown. This Falcons offense just looks so much better. When Patterson is on the field, he changes their dynamic, the the dynam, the dynam, the dynamicness of that offense entirely. When he's on the field, I just tripped over 14 different words right there. Uh, the Panthers fired their offensive coordinator a week before this game happened, um, and then proceeded to play quarterback musical chairs with both Cam Newton and PJ Walker coming in at different times throughout the game. I have no idea what the Panthers are doing. They almost ran the ball 30 times in this game, even though I think they were losing throughout the entire game. Matt Rule, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Matt Rule. Uh, Panthers, Panthers fans are probably saying the exact same thing. Uh, the New Orleans Saints went on the road and blew out the New York Jets 30-9. to Alvin Kamara played in his first game for the Saints in four weeks, and he ran for 120 yards and a touchdown while catching four passes for 25 yards as well. Thank you, Kamara. Fantasy team, shout out. Uh, the Saints are also smack dab in the middle of the NFC wildcard race. If they at least split the next two games between the Buccaneers and Dolphins, then uh, their playoff chances will look very good. Meanwhile, the Jets became the third AFC team to be eliminated from playoff contention, and uh, they're bad. So, there's that. Uh, the Cleveland Browns were at home and beat the Baltimore Ravens 24-22. to The Ravens will have to pray to the football gods that Lamar Jackson's ankle is okay if they want to make the playoff uh, a playoff run. Uh, the Ravens have also been turning the ball over way too much. Six turnovers in the last two games against Cleveland alone and six straight, with at le- six straight games with at least one turnover and in uh, in each of those games for the Browns defensive end Miles Garrett broke the team's sack record with his 15th of the season. He also scored his first career touchdown with a scoop and score from that very same sack. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys were on the road and beat the Washington Football Team 27 to 20. The Cowboys nearly blew it, giving up uh, giving up three touchdowns in the second half. But Dak Prescott is now eight and one against Washington, and they held on in this one, and this all but sealed the NFC East race. Dallas's uh, Michael Parsons had another huge game, getting two sacks and became the first rookie since Javon Curse in 1999, and the fir- and the third player in NFL history to have one sack in six straight games. Parsons might not just be the defensive rookie of the year; he could be making a case for defensive player of the year by the time the season's over. The Los Angeles Chargers were at home and beat the New York Giants 37-21. to Here is the list of quarterbacks who have thrown for 30-plus touchdowns in each of their first two seasons. 
Justin Herbert. And that's the whole list. On top of that, he made one of the most insane passes I've ever seen loading up from his own 35-yard line and throwing the ball all the way down to the opposite goal line while getting hit in the back and nailed wide receiver Jalen Guyton in stride for the touchdown. A almost 60-yard pass, all of it through the air. Um, If you haven't seen the clip yet, please go watch it. It might be the greatest pass I've ever seen. He might be the only quarterback in the league that can make that throw as well. It was a beautiful, it was truly a chef's kiss of a pass. It's insane. If you haven't seen it, go watch that clip. Uh, The 49ers were on the road and beat the Cincinnati Bengals 26-23 in overtime, one of two overtime games uh, this past uh, in Week 14. As, as of Monday, Monday we'll see what happens. Uh, this was another matchup that was huge for both playoff races. George Kittle had a huge day for the Niners with 13 catches for 151 yards and a touchdown. He's got the same importance to his team, to the Niners, as Patterson does to the Falcons, except Kittle is probably a little better of a player. Um, but he's a tight end, too, which is crazy. 13 catches for 151 yards and a touchdown for a, a freaking tight end is absurd. Um, Nick Bosa also pitched in two sacks on defense for the Niners as well. Uh, the Bengals couldn't stop hurting themselves on the offensive side of the ball and in special teams fumbling two punts that led to 10 first-half points for the Niners and, ta- and a taunting call against safety Von Bell that uh, helped extend one of those drives that was just a sample of the mess they were in um, all game, and it kind of cost them the game as well, I would say. Uh, the Buffalo Bills went on the road and fell to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 33-27 to in overtime as well. Another disappointing game for the Bills against an above 500 team. Yes, they nearly came back, but they weren't anywhere near the Bucks for the first half. It was a few bounces away from just straight up being a blowout for the Buccaneers. Uh, the Bills' offense just seems off. There isn't a lot of diversity in what they're doing. They had their first rush from somebody not named Josh Allen come from a fake punt at the beginning of the third quarter, which is just... I'm okay with trying to be the Kansas City Chiefs, but when they try to go to be the Kansas City Chiefs, and just completely blow it out of the water. Like, at least Kansas City right now is, they've seen that people are catching on to what they're doing, and they're evolving. That is why they're now 9-4. and four. They've won five in a row. It doesn't feel like Buffalo is going to evolve, and if they are, it might be too little too late. They're 7-6. and six. They could still make the playoffs, but they're going to be probably a bad seed. They're going to have to hope that, um, that New England starts dropping games here and there, because... I mean, New England's, what, they've won seven in a row now, something like that, six or seven in a row now. It's not like, you know, they're they're going to have to get a couple gifts from New England if they're going to want to sneak in and have a better seed than a wild card spot when it comes to the uh, to the playoffs. Um, Josh Allen is a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but uh, they're putting way too much on his shoulders right now. He's, a, he's being asked to run, be the, the, running, uh, the running part of their offense while slinging the ball down the field a bunch. It just it doesn't feel like it's working. He's not necessarily an option or an uh, an option quarterback like Lamar Jackson is, where he can build that into the offense. That's also what the Ravens do. The Ravens are a rushing team first and foremost. It feels like the Buffalo Bills are trying to just be a passing team, while just telling Josh, "Hey, if it's open, just run." Which is not that's not great. You know, you need Devin Singletary. You need Zach Moss to start getting more touches. The more they run, the easier it is going to be. It's going to be for Josh Allen to find open passes throughout the rest of the game. Tom Brady threw his 700th touchdown pass in this game and broke the career completions record. Of course he did, and is now in an unprecedented 33-3 and against the Buffalo Bills all-time. Tom Brady is 44 years old, ladies and gentlemen. He's 20 years older than me. He's the GOAT. 
He's the GOAT for a reason. Uh, the Packers were at home and beat their arch rival, the Chicago Bears, 45-30. to The Bears were actually leading in this game 27-21 to at halftime, and the Packers' special teams, uh, special teams uh, was doing everything in its power to hand this one over to the Bears, but the Pack exploded in the second half, scoring an extra 24 points while holding the Bears to three. Uh, Aaron Rodgers now has four, uh, has four, has more four touchdown games against the Bears in his career with seven than losses against them with five. Wouldn't it be great if you could get McDonald's delivered right to your door? Well, now you can. McDonald's has teamed up with the delivery app. DoorDash. Just download the DoorDash app in the App Store and you'll see the McDonald's menu. Order your favorite McDonald's food and have it delivered right to your door. It's super easy and convenient to have your favorite McDonald's delivered. Go to the App Store, download the DoorDash app, and have McDonald's delivered to your house or business today. Um, Now, moving on. I feel like I'm missing a game. What am I missing? Oh. uh, Chiefs Raiders. The Chiefs Raiders game, that's that's the one I'm missing. All right, let's see what we got here. Oh, the Chiefs the Chiefs Raiders game. I wonder why I skipped that one. You guys know the music. You know what it means. I know what it means. The Chiefs Raiders game had a scoregami. The Raiders 48 to 9. It was the 1071st unique score in NFL history. It was shown before the game. I don't know what the Raiders were thinking. It was shown before the game that the Raiders were doing their team pump up meeting or whatever the hell it is before the game on the Chiefs logo. Raiders players, yeah, I'm talking to you, Raiders players. What the hell are you doing? Why are you doing that? Why would you do that? You're literally giving them motivation. It doesn't make any since I've never understood why teams do this. It is the gall of all things sports when I see stuff like this. Like when it's, I get it's a divisional rival game, but Raiders, come on, bro. This is the Chiefs. They've blown you out in so many different, they're already blown you out once this year. They've d- dominated the series the last five years. What are you doing? Just do that at home. If you're going to do that, do that at home. At least get the fans into it, your own fans into it. You're doing that on the road, on the Chiefs logo. You're just going to get the fans more into it for the Chiefs, and you're just giving the Chiefs more motivation to kick, to destroy you. And they did. And they did. They, you know, the Raiders got what they deserve. You're giving the motivation. It's like you're. It's like if you go diving in the ocean with raw chicken strapped to your back and then get confused as to why a shark attacked you and then took your leg. Like, what do you think is going to happen there? What we thought was going to happen happened. And that is how it works. The Chief won the game, the two game series, by a combined score of 89 to 23 this season. And I think we could safely say that the Chiefs are back, ladies and gentlemen. Arguably the best team in the AFC. If it's not them, it's probably the Patriots, which who would have thought? Um, but here we are. I, I think I read somewhere today that there are more than half of the football teams, and I'm, I'm just being flippant at this point. There are more than half the teams in the NFL have either six, seven, or eight losses. There are more mediocre teams in this league right now than there are very, very good teams and very, very bad teams. It's a weird year for football. I don't know who the best team in the league is. I would say the Chiefs, as of right now, probably, if it's not them, I would say the Cardinals or the Bucks. But the Bucks are insanely unhealthy right now. They've had a couple of injuries. They have some people sidelined, especially in their secondary. Um, 
So I would probably pick the Chiefs over them right now. The Cardinals against the Chiefs, I would go... Would I go Cardinals or would I go Chiefs in that game? I would probably go Chiefs in that game. That's... Man, four weeks ago, we were like, the sky is falling. The Chiefs the Chiefs dynasty has ended You know, two years into the dynasty, and now here we are. They're the best team in the league again. Welcome to football, and welcome to the NFL. I love it. It's the best. Um, that's going to wrap things up for me, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for tuning in. I have been your host, James Timberlake. Make sure to tell me, leave a comment um, in the comments section of our page if you like this format a little bit more, if we just go straight into the national news, skip the local stuff, um, and leave that for Trevor and Kevin to cover, and then I'll keep that in my Saturday sports wrap every Saturday. You can hear that um, on all the radio stations that Sheridan Media provides as well. Um, but for the podcast, just let me know if you want me to change it back, if you want to get back into local stuff on this podcast. I'll gladly type all that up, no problem. Um, but if you like the national stuff, then maybe just let me know that as well, and then we'll keep this format. So just let me know, leave a comment. Um, I hope you all enjoyed it. I have been your host, James Timberlake, and you have been listening to the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast.